Welcome to Charlotte Readers Podcast, where books and writing topics are center stage and where authors give voice to the written words. I'm Landis Wade, and on behalf of my co-host, Hannah LaRue and Sarah Archer, we thank you for listening. The Charlotte Readers Podcast is a member of the Queen City Podcast Network. Listen to your city at queencitypodcastnetwork.com. Hey listeners, this is Sarah Archer. Before we get started with today's show, I have a quick word. Charlotte Reader's podcast now has podcast books. It's true, we have two kinds, fiction and nonfiction. Our fiction book is titled Death by Podcasting, co-written by Landis and me. It's a comedic mystery where we make fun of podcasters and writers in the vein of only murders in the building. It was a lot of fun to write, and it's available in paperback, ebook, and audiobook. We also have eight nonfiction quote books created from over 500 podcast interviews. The Right Quote series is a collection of inspirational and practical quotes about writing, publishing, and book marketing from the first four years of the podcast. The books come with forewords and reflections by Hannah, Landis, and me. They're available in paperback and ebook. And here's a bonus. The first ebook in the series about the writing life can be downloaded for free. You can find links for all nine books at the podcast books page of charlottereaderspodcast.com. Thank you for listening. And if you read our books, thanks for reading. Now let's get on with the show. Hey, readers and writers, welcome to this episode number 372 of Charlotte's Podcast Beyond 300. We're in a new year. It's uh, it's 2024. It's hard to believe. I'm here with uh, co-host Sarah Archer and Hannah LaRue, and uh, we've got a special guest today that Hannah's going to introduce in just a moment, uh, or maybe Sarah is. I'm not sure what the protocol is, just catching up here. But uh, anyway, um, Sarah, take it away. Yeah, we're, we're excited for today's episode because we do have a special guest joining us for our first episode of 2024. We're going to be chatting with Lauren Hart, book publicist and co-founder of Gold Leaf Literary Services, which is based in Asheville, North Carolina. Um, we're going to talk about book promotion and goal setting for all your literary projects in the new year. Yeah, one of my favorite topics. I can't wait to chat with Lauren about all of that fun stuff. And we're also going to have some reading recommendations, book pitches, community and listener engagement, and what's coming up in the next episodes later this month. Uh, but first, we're going to check in with uh, with the host here about what's going on. And, you know, we're recording this about a month in advance, so we really don't know what's going on on January 2nd. Oh, then it's been a great year, and uh, we had a good time and got through uh, Christmas and the holidays and Hanukkah and everything else. Uh, yeah, we made it through. Uh, but if there is anything you can predict that uh, you're doing today on January 2nd, Hannah, what would it be? Oh, my God. On January 2nd, hopefully I'm like, I don't know, sleeping or something. <laughs> <laughs> No, pro- probably not. I feel like um, probably sifting through piles of emails that I have not seen over the 10 day, like, you know, haze between Christmas and New Year's. I feel like I always like call that the holiday haze is what it feels like to me is like you kind of like, what is it like December 19th, 20th, you sort of everything sort of just like shuts down and then you come back after the new year and you're like discombobulated trying to remember what your name is. So, come on, Hannah, you, you hadn't think, started a new uh, like uh, you hadn't joined a gym, you hadn't uh, got 10 resolutions you're putting uh, into no. play on January 2nd. <laughs> Uh, about, no, about, I haven't. <laughs> how about you, Sarah? <laughs> what do you think you'll be doing on January 2nd? Oh, gosh, I have no idea. <laughs> I'm, I'm due February 9th, so January, I'm like, that whole month is just kind of an unknown to me. Um, I'm trying to not 
plan anything for January because I don't know, you know, what if the baby comes early or what if I just feel like a total wreck? (laughs) So uh, this month in December, I'm I'm kind of like in crunch time mode and trying to get a ton of work done before the holidays and uh, recording a bunch of things and reading and writing and all that stuff. And then I think January, I'm going to be like doing final baby preparations and kind of playing the waiting game and Mm. hoping that you know, she's not like two weeks late. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's what I'm keeping my fingers crossed for. <laughs> Lauren, you get to play this Nostradamus game too. What do you think you're going to be doing on January 2nd? Um, I I very much like Hannah will probably be wading through the emails and trying to like fit myself back into the post-holiday um, work vibe. I, I spend a lot of time around the holidays, like in between – Christmas and New Year, if I if I feel like I have the time that I can take away from my family because um, I like to spend time with them, they're great. Um, but to try to do planning and like really start to think out the new year and like what's going to happen, you know, month by month, and and so I'll probably be working on that um, that first week of January a lot. So, all right. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna take a chapter out of John Grisham's uh, playbook. He usually starts. Uh, a new book at the beginning of the year, so uh, I'm committed to work on the sequel to Deadly Declarations uh, next year. So I'm going to be writing today, you know, on January second. Uh, nice. uh, Good for at you. Least that's, wow. At least that's my story. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it <laughs> <laughs> until I can't stick to it. Yeah, uh, I'm excited. I've been I've been ready for that sequel. Yeah, yeah. 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 yeah have <laughs> some Love fun it. with it. Finally. <laughs> uh, yeah. So um, it, it's it is kind of hard because we're recording this. Uh, early in December because we're trying to get things uh, ready for the new year and appreciate Lauren coming on. In fact, uh, Hannah, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about Lauren and then we'll jump into all these uh, tips she's going to share with us. Yes. Oh, I'm so excited to in- introduce Lauren and just a little background um, on how I met her is uh, we actually worked together. I think, I mean, I'd known who you, I feel like uh, you're kind of like gold leaf and your name had kind of been in my my world for many years and so it was really kind of cool when we finally got to work together that wow no but yeah it was great we finally got to connect (laughs) through marjorie hudson um i think it was two years ago maybe now and we worked on a project together um with her which was so much fun i learned so much from Lauren, and she's worked in the book world for 20 years and originally was a bookseller in Asheville and in Albuquerque. As an, She's also been an assistant at literary nonprofits in Santa Fe, an intern at Gray Wolf Press, a marketing assistant and a publicist at a coffee house, at coffee house Press. Um, she spent eight years at Malaprop's Bookstore and Cafe, which we all love um, on this podcast, where her passions Woo-hoo. were connecting. Yeah, go mm-hmm. Malaprop's. Connecting <laughs> readers and books and assisting the events program. She lives in Asheville now with her husband and daughter and holds an MFA from Spalding University's School of Creative and Professional Writing. Um, so Malaprop's, let's just kick things off with that, your experience working with them. Sure. I mean, how is that and how does that kind of influence your you know, role in the publicity world now? Oh, man. Um, That was like a dream get to be able to work with them. I learned so much at that store. Um, When I started, Emika is the founder, and um, she has sold the store to an employee who I worked with there, Gretchen, um, in the last several years. Um, But she is like a fierce bookwoman, and it was just incredible to work with her um, and just see how 
how much um, energy was put into this piece, like, you know, the whole publicity puzzle and everything we do in publishing and, and writing and everything is like to get to this point where the reader meets the book, you know, and, mm-hmm. um, and to watch that happen and watch these really, really good um, booksellers, you know, on the floor um, doing that work all the time. Um, and I was able to go to Seba, even as a, an early kind of newbie bookseller and meet the other booksellers and see what the community looks like, which is big and gorgeous and amazing and um, meet so many authors. And like I hosted author events like three, four nights a week sometimes. <laughs> so, um, so I saw a lot of what that looked like on the ground. And, um, you know, the big thing was that I made, I connected with my, I call her my platonic life partner, um, Carolyn Christopoulos, who is my co-founder at Goldleaf. Um, and we just had a ball. We still do. Um, but we would be behind the counter working a lot and authors would come in and they would be like, Hey, I wrote a book. What do I do? Or, Hey, I have a book coming out next week from this publisher. Like, what do I do? <laughs> and we were like, uh, okay, well, we've probably got five minutes before the phone rings. Let's see if we can, you know, give you some advice or help you out or whatever. And, you know, after years of doing this, of course, we were like, somebody should help these people. <laughs> somebody, there's, there's got to be a way for them to get the help that they need. And so um, eventually we got to the point where we were both, Um, raising kids and we needed a more flexible schedule and it seemed like a good time to jump and so that's when we were like let's let's build this business let's start gold leaf and like help in all the different ways so you know we do the publicity and marketing stuff we also do author assistance um where we can just help with things like sometimes it's responding to emails or it's Mm -hmm. Um, making travel plans or whatever. We also do a lot of education and consultation, trying to help those people who are just like, I have no idea what to do. Like I typed up this thing and I like it. What happens next? You know? So. Yeah. You know, I think um, just with, I, one of the things I learned so much from you when we first met was just because of your background working at Malaprops and with bookstores and that kind of thing, just kind of like how important it is to understand how many you know, people kind of go into creating an author event and making it successful. What do you think um, the future of author events kind of are with indie bookstores right now? Um, Just Um, with COVID and everything that's happened and just, you know, it's changed so much over the last couple of years. Right. Yeah. Um, Yeah. It's, I mean, it's hard to say. I think it's, I think we're, it's going to take a little while for the silt to settle, you know, still, um as we come we continue to come out of the the covid times um i do think that the hybrid model is going to continue um to be a thing and i think you know for some stores they found that virtual events work a lot better for them and for some people you know for some stores it didn't work as well so i think that um you know i think stores are just going to kind of land where they land. Um, I think, you know, one of the important things for authors is to get to know their local stores. Um, Hello, aside, I might be a bit of an indie bookstore evangelist. Sorry, guys. Um, But, you know, get to to know them and what they're doing and how they're working um, as as you're going forward, because that will help, you know, um, help you work the best that you can with that specific store. And that's, you know, um, it's not an easy answer, but it is, um, it's a good thing to, to, to do your, 
research, do your homework a little bit there. Um, I do think that like stores are looking for things that, um, and I think this has always been true, but I think it's more true now, but like things that are like even more of a hook or a pull. So if you're not a well-known name, if you're not, um, you know, if you don't have a big crew in the town where you're doing your author event, um, you know, having a really good conversation partner, somebody who may have a pull or a crew, um, uh, you know, doing something that's like more um, collaborative, maybe involves a local organization or a local musician or, a, you know, some other kind of thing that like that elevates the event a little bit and, and is is – I think that the days of just standing behind a podium reading um, have been have been getting less and less um, along the way, and they're only going to continue um, to to do that. So, Lauren, let me jump idea. in here. I've got a question yeah. related to indie bookstores because um, you work, I'm sure, with authors um, across the spectrum. You know, debut yeah. authors, indie authors, traditionally published authors, um, yeah. and you know, selling books. Um, is hard and we're going to talk about different techniques and what people should do to kind of promote their books. But when it comes to an indie bookstore, and I'm a big fan of indie bookstores. I love, I know, I love bookstores. it. I, I was at <laughs> Malaprops for my book. I've been to other bookstores, but um, you know, when it comes to actually selling books, um, you know, those are nice events, right? And the bookstore yeah. wants to have it for the visibility and hopes that people will come back and sell it. But um, for the clients that you work with, and we're talking about, you know, what do you, what should you do in 2024 to get the word out about your books? Let's talk about expectations when it comes to a, a book signing in an indie bookstore. Sure. Because <laughs> I've been to some that, you know, 20 people showed up and I've been to some where one person showed up, you know, yeah. and it's very difficult. So I just want Me your too. thoughts on that. <laughs> yeah. Me too. It, it was always fun as the bookstore host to have an author that you're excited to have there and be like, okay, well, here is the, one person who has come down the street who's probably here for the free cheese and crackers and not actually to hear you read, but they're in the audience. So that's, you know, something. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I think, um, I, th I, I think of everything sort of as, as collaborative. So, you know, if you're doing, um, if you're going to do an author event at a, at a, especially at an indie, but anywhere, you know, it is a, um, a group effort getting the butts and seats. So, you know, the the place that's holding it, the store or whatever, they're going to do what they do to try to get butts and seats. Um, hopefully your publisher or publicist is going to be doing what they can do to get butts and seats. And then also for an author, you know, it's important to know who you can call on um, to, to come down. It's important to share the information about your events. I know a lot of authors get real um, – tender about like they don't want to self-promote very much and they don't want to like ask a lot of people but the thing I always see is like the people who know you are the people who really want to show up for you so um, those are the people you need to reach out to and be like hey um, I'm gonna be in Asheville like come come see me and you still may only get five people in the audience with all of that going on but here's the thing about author events that from a bookseller's perspective that I will tell you, and people ask me all the time if they're worth it, and I always say yes, because so much of getting a book out there in the world is about discovery, and people can't discover what they don't see or don't hear about. So 
when you set up an author event at a at a store, immediately the booksellers are more aware, at least the events team at first, and then as the event gets closer, the other booksellers are more aware. The bookstore is going to order more copies. So usually, you know, if they're just going to carry a book on the shelf, they might get one copy or two or five or like six might be kind of a big order, you know, for um, for a book um, for number of copies to have on the shelf. But if they're doing an event, they're going to get 20, 30, 50, you know, depending on what they think the response to the event is going to be. And they have to put those books somewhere. So it's not only on the shelf in the section where the book would normally live with all the other spines of all the other books in that section. It's also on a front table. It's also in a window. It's also maybe it gets on a staff favorite shelf, which is the Valhalla of like book placement, you know. Um, it's it's going to be other places. Um, and that alone, like even before the event itself starts, is is, you know, that's advertising you can't pay for. Um, it's, it's an incredible, you know, thing to have. And then you have the event and like, I don't know, as personally as a bookseller, if I did host one of those events where I only had one person in the audience and I felt terrible, I would make an extra big, um, push to try to hand sell that book after the event, especially if the author was nice. If the author was not nice, then no. Um, but <laughs> if the author was nice and, and, you know, I felt bad then I like I would work extra hard to continue to try to sell copies of that book also because we would have a stack and I would want to sell them like bookstores would rather sell the books than return them. That's always the case. So um, so that's my that's my little um, uh, spiel about author events. I, I think they're worthwhile and I think, it, you know, they build connections and that is what we're all trying to do. And that's really important. So. Um, yeah. If you only have one person in the audience, be nice to them. Um, <laughs> be nice to the booksellers. Yeah. You know. Um, I, I know. I was curious about this being a bookseller. You, you, uh, you've had the chance to to uh, be around a lot of famous authors and a lot of people who think they're famous and a lot of people who want to yeah. be famous. <laughs> and uh, for yeah. the ones that for the ones that want to be famous and are just so you know needy. When it comes to those kind of things, because uh, you know we're all a little bit needy when we're trying to sell our books. But of course, you mentioned yeah. this idea that somebody walks in and says, well, "What do I do? What do I do?" Right. What What was your elevator pitch for? What do you do? I what mean, to do? <laughs> yeah. What, what was the What was the pitch before the phone rang? Right. <laughs> um, for somebody who had a book that that they were like, "My book just came out," or "My book's coming out." We, we would talk about, um, you know, setting up author events. Definitely let your local media know of all the people on all the earth, the people, the most likely place to get media hits is your local news because you are local and you are doing something cool and they're looking for those kinds of stories. So um, we would talk about that. We would talk about um, get, getting together a, an email list um, so again, reaching out to those people that you know that are on your list, um, fa friends, family, colleagues, you know, somebody's great aunt Margaret that you met on an airplane once and you had an email with, you know, like whatever, so get the list together, do the work to do that. And then 
send an email to all of those people and say, hey, you guys are awesome, and I want to let you know this great news. I have this book that just came out, and if you need signed copies, call me, go to Malaprops, go to where, you know, whatever bookstore. Um, just, like, those are some of the most basic things you can do to start getting the word out um, about a book. I have yeah, a... I'll, tell you, I'll tell you for an indie author, um, sorry, Hannah, but uh, for an indie author, the idea of going around to a bunch of different bookstores where you don't have a distribution channel from a major publisher is yeah. a lot of work. And I know you talk to your clients about that and, the, and yeah. you have to decide how much time am I going to spend going around to bookstores to do these Absolutely. little events and how much time am I going to spend promoting in a different way? What, do you, what is your, what is your diversification formula? <laughs> <laughs> um, my formula is X equals Y if, um, no. Uh, <laughs> yeah. are, you, are, you, are you more in stocks? Are you more in bonds? You know, do you, do you, do you more or in an risk? undercover <laughs> mathematician. Yeah. 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 Math, is not, not, math is not my yeah. jam. Um, Landis, yeah. I work in books. That's, uh, yeah. I, got, yeah. I got words. But, um, but I, you know, it's really, it really is individual. Um, and again, that's not an easy answer for people, but it's really about what you want. I think one of the important things to do early on, too, is some goal setting, um, you know, as we're talking about heading into the new year, like, what looks, what does success look and feel like for you for the book that you are creating? Is that I walk into a random store and it's on the shelf? Or... Um, is it I get a review in this place or is it like I get invited to speak at my alma mater or, you know, like really think about some of the things that will make you feel like a successful author. And if going to bookstores, um, you know, one by one fits into that goal, then do that, make that time, you know, um, and do that. And also I think calling on, other people like you may not be able to hire a publicist like me you know to help you do that but like if you have again you're somebody's great aunt margaret and they're in chapel hill and they think you're the bee's knees then be like hey if i send you a book would you take it into quail ridge and talk it up you know like people love to do that kind of stuff for the most part i mean don't call on your most introverted friends for this um you know thing but <laughs> <laughs> but you know for the for the most part people are like yes like, I love you I want to support you you know and um and and when you have a a piece of art um a book or whatever coming out in the world it's not the time to be shy um because you can get help and people will want to help you so I think that's a really important um piece of it but but like I said really think about what you want what you need um, to feel like you've done a good job and work towards that goal um, as far as what you decide to do with your time. Hey listeners, this is Sarah Archer with a brief request. If you enjoy our podcast, please leave us a short online review wherever you like to listen. Better yet, please tell your friends. If you do both, you get extra credit. Seriously, though, listeners learn about new podcasts by our views and words of mouth. So when you help us spread the word about Charlotte Reader's podcast, more people meet our author guests and more readers and writers share our love of reading and writing. Thanks for listening. Now back to the show. I kind of want to jump back into the media aspect. Yeah. I know what you said, you know, you're, you're going to just like roll your eyes and laugh and be like, <laughs> yes, I know of um, when I say this, but and, you, know, you, you, you put it really perfectly when you said, you know, start locally, like with your local news. Yeah. And I feel like that's something that I'm like always very like 
local media let's go like i mean because that is kind of like where the (laughs) snowball forms right um what do you say to authors and i know you get this um who come to you and they're like i don't really want to mess around with the local media i want to go straight to the new york times (laughs) yeah um (laughs) what do i say to those folks um I mean, I get it. Like, and I, mm-hmm. I am somebody who also believes in like the whole shoot for the moon. You know, if you don't make it, you land among the stars. Like, right. there's nothing wrong with shooting for a big place, but like, if you forget the ground around you, that's insane. Um, and I, I often tell the story. So my dad um, ran for city council or county commission, I guess it was, um, when I was in college, I believe. And he campaigned everywhere but in our hometown because he felt like everybody knew who he was and, like, what he was about, and he lost. And I I think that by ignoring the the backyard, um, it, you're just – you're just shooting yourself in the foot. Um, and so I tell people that story sometimes too. Um, well, thinking I know, I know about Sarah, local. You, you, Sarah's probably got a burning question here. What's your burning question? For yeah, I was actually just going to ask like um, talking about the, the local aspect because we're all kind of tied to North Carolina with you yeah. know, Asheville or the Charlotte Reader's mm-hmm. podcast. We're a bit scattered, but we all have North Carolina ties. Yep. Um, obviously, a lot of publicity these days is sort of borderless with the internet, but are there things specifically for North Carolina authors that you think these are opportunities you should tap into? These are communities you should be a part of? These are media outlets you should be aware of? Like Anything like that for local people? Absolutely. Um, start with Charlotte Reader's podcast and make sure that you're listening. <laughs> Great tip. Great tip. Yes, Lauren. <laughs> You did, you did that just like we asked you to. Yeah. I know. <laughs> we bribed her before the show. Or, or something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, your local paper. So you know, the Charlotte Observer. There's the. Um, of course, everything's going to blank out of my brain when I need it to to come. But the the um, Raleigh newspaper. There's the Asheville newspaper. Doesn't we're a kind of a small town. We don't really have book coverage in the local paper anymore, but our alternative news weekly does. Um, for North Carolina as a whole, I mean, I I recommend to people all the time that they join the North Carolina Writers Network because that is a community that is strong and wonderful um and and there's a lot of good info flowing through there so like you know um they put out events and and are looking at calls for information and and whatnot um so i would definitely get in with them we have our state magazine um which is just north carolina um it's really wonderful. They don't do regular book coverage but they do do book coverage um and and if you can um, kind of get in, <laughs> this is a whole nother aspect of publicity, but like sort of off the book page stuff. So like if you could write an article about where you are in North Carolina um, or something cool that's happening in the state and get it in that magazine and your bio lists your book that's coming out, that's, you know, almost as good as having a book review in the magazine. But um, but they do have a new books editor um, for the magazine. Um and I hope he doesn't mind me outing him, but it's Wiley Cash. So, um, you know, <laughs> um, that's going to be, I think they're looking to to do more, which is amazing. Um, and then there's like here in Western North Carolina, we have WNC Magazine, which is also doesn't do constant book coverage, but like, 
couple times a year, you know, they have book stuff in there, um, especially around the holidays, um, you know, summer reading kind of stuff. A, a lot of the local places have that. But, you know, you can go online and just Google, you know, Greenville news or whatever and find, you know, find a list of <laughs> of what's going on um, media-wise in, in the region. But, um but your papers, your news weeklies, your local focused radio programs, um, and then things like this uh, are the best best places to be looking. So as you look to this year, 2024, if you got, you know, say you've got an author who, who's published a book, maybe they published a couple of books, um, and, yeah. you know, they've been sort of uh, trying to figure out this whole thing called marketing. Uh, maybe they've worked with the publicist, maybe they haven't, but they're just trying to put a fresh take on, you know, 2024 and what they should be doing. You mentioned a couple of things which are good. Get involved in these different organizations. You know, yeah. the community the is network, everything. Community, <laughs> you know, do all those kind of things. But, um, you know, talk maybe, and you maybe advise clients about this, but talk about how being involved as an author and offering themselves to others uh, in some way is also a way to help promote themselves. Absolutely. Um, you know, we we talk a lot about that too, especially as working with bookstores because that's where Carolyn and I have our experience. But um, you know, a lot of times bookstores will have like indie bookstore day, or um, you know, there's like children's book week, or there are various things you can you can do. And often they're looking for authors who maybe want to come be a bookseller for a day, or maybe they need somebody to contribute a piece to the newsletter. Um, things like that can be really helpful. Um, there are a lot of organizations you can volunteer with um, doing mentorship and, um, you know, offering advice to those who are coming up behind you. Even if you've done one book or two books, you already have a fount of knowledge compared to somebody who hasn't been through it once yet already um you know i i believe also in the in the sort of coda that if you lift others up you're lifting all of us up at the same time so um i love to see authors doing a lot of um you know a lot of promotion for other authors that they like that's um i've been working with megan lucas this year um who's a hendersonville writer um wonderful writer and just really really good at um, at building connections, at shouting out other people. She does, like, right now she's doing her Christmas countdown, so, like, however many days of Christmas, and, like, each day she features an author that she's read and loved. Um, that kind of thing is tremendous. People remember, I mean, you know, Landis, right? If somebody is, like, shouts out your work, you're like, oh, my gosh, I love you forever. <laughs> like, yeah. What can I do? What can and, I do to support Megan, you? Megan was on the podcast uh, with us uh, a couple years ago when her book came out. Um, but I heard a story about someone. It doesn't have to be volunteering necessarily um, to teach something or to – it could be any of those number of things you mentioned. But also it could be something as simple as uh, – maybe not simple, but I'm going to help you with your website or I'm going to help you with your newsletter. I've heard a, I heard a story about right. somebody that, you know, 20 books to $50,000 or something, they worked on the website and they then became friends with the people who ran the company and then they became a co-author with a very famous author who was involved in the company and now they're doing very well. And it yeah. all started with them volunteering to help them with something they had technical experience with that had nothing to do with Absolutely. writing a book. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's a wonderful thing to do. If you have that kind of experience that you can lend 
I also believe in firm boundaries and taking care of oneself. So it's, again, it's a personal, um, it, it's a personal decision making process about how much you can give and where and how much you are also giving to yourself and making sure that you're, you know, um, spending the time writing, which is what, you know, you really want to be doing as a writer. But if you feel that you have something to give and you have the ability to give it, yes. The answer is yes. <laughs> <laughs> I love everything that you just said so much. <laughs> what a great thing to preach. I mean, seriously. And I think it's hard to have boundaries now, especially with social media. Uh, you know, yeah. it's a really tough thing. It's always there. It's always kind of like blinking at you saying, engage with me. All of the, you know, mm-hmm. it's tough. But when you were talking about uh, Megan and just her being, you know, doing the 25 Days of Christmas countdown or the some of the yeah. holidays like Indie Bookstore, Uh, day and things like that do you find and I guess as we're going into 2024 too just thinking about the growth of social media and it's ever you know never goes away um yeah what do you think about some of the latest trends uh how do you stay on top of the trends where do you see them see things going with the internet I mean what are your observations yeah Hannah it's so cute that you think that I stay on top of the trends because I I was hoping you did, so I wouldn't have to. <laughs> right? Um, I mean, I I feel like a lot of us are learning as we go. I know people who do a lot of research about what's going on. I mean, um, I, I am lucky in that I employ um, some people part-time that work with me that are in their 20s and therefore have a very different um, – <laughs> you know, idea and, and look at social media than I do in my 40s. Um, you know, so it, it it's tough. I mean, I think, I think, and again, I think this is kind of always the case, but it's even more so now is everybody has to figure out what works for them. Um, so if you're really like, if, if it's Twitter slash X, you know, good for you, do that stick with it, find your people, if it's threads, if it's Instagram, if it's Facebook, if it's, you know, um, book talk, like, I can't, I, I can't go to the TikTok level, because I've done all the other social media, and I, I mean, I watch the TikToks, but I don't make the TikToks, um, because, yeah, I just, like, Instagram has been a place that we've landed as a, as a company that feels, fairly comfortable and we can do it pretty regularly um don't look right now it's um there was a gap but anyway um (laughs) i think you know right (laughs) you're like oh it's been two weeks whoops um but uh you know i think finding something that feels kind of intuitive and comfortable and something that you can stick with is what we're always recommending to our authors so like if that's you know if that's Instagram, if it's X, if it's Facebook, if it's TikTok, if it's whatever, like you, you can almost enjoy it a little bit and you can stay with it. Um, that's going to be the best place to be because you're going to be the most authentic. That is what people connect with. Um, also, you know, I think readers are often looking for, um, for the feeling of some kind of personal connection with the authors that they really love. And so again, you know, being mindful of boundaries, but like whatever you can comfortably share on social media that like, that gives people, you know, it's like I 
follow Silas House. Um, he's amazing. And he just posted about the new dog in his family, and there's, like, videos of the dog running with the old dog. And I, like, I feel like I'm standing in the yard with him and watching the dogs run, and I love it, you know? And, like, there's that kind of, you know, connection that you can you can make, um, and you can find places where that feels comfortable. I love seeing, you know, images of people's offices. I'm, like, such an office nerd. I'm, like, show me the books on your shelves. What is your – how does your desk layout look? You know, like, all of that. Um, you know, I, I – so I think continuing to try to make genuine connection from a place of authenticity in a way that is comfortable and doable for you is your best social media strategy. Basically. So you, you you just hit on something, Lauren, as you're talking um, about the things that you get excited about when you look at social media, which I think is a good tip for authors. And we try to do a little of this in our newsletter and on our social media, which is just sort of let people know what we're doing and what's going on in our lives yeah. and what our dogs look like and what our yeah. grandkids and our new kids are doing. And um, it, it's a little bit, you're not selling your book um, right. but you kind of are in some yeah. way subtly because when you talk about the uh, people, I think get more interested in maybe wanting to read somebody they think they might like or connect with. Uh, yeah. So t talk about that a second. Cause I think, you know, if someone walks into your, you know, office and they want to sell their book, um, probably the first thing you do is try to get to know them so you can sell them. Right. Right. I mean, it's really a two, it's kind of a two-pronged story with any book. You know, you have the story of the book, like why, what is the book about? How did it come to be? What is, you know, what is happening within it and around it? Why, why now? All of those things. But the author is an integral part of that story too. Who is this person? What led them to this, you know, um, to do this work? And, um, and I think, that you, you know, balancing between those two. The other thing is that you're going to have this book and it has kind of a, a lifetime. Like sometimes that, you know, books have long tails, we call it like where they're in the, you know, kind of in the public eye for a long time, or they might come back around because of something um, in the news. But like as an author, if you are looking at having a career, um, then you're, you also want people's eyes on you because they you want them to follow you and not just this one book because you're going to have another book and then maybe another book after that and another book after that. So you're generating and this, you know, some of this ties into the whole author branding thing, you know, which is um, brands. And I, you know, I struggle. I'm I'm such a, um, I, you know, corporate speak and, and things like that are not really necessarily my jam, but I do get the, um, the idea, um, that like what you are putting out there, um, is what people are seeing and what they may want to follow. And ideally as an author, you want people to follow you and not just one project. Um, so that's important to remember when you're thinking about what you're putting on your website, what you're putting out in your social media, what you're discussing in interviews, when, you know, all of those kinds of pieces, um, because you're trying to do a broader, a broader thing than just sell this one book that, which is important. Sure. But like, you know, we're working on a, we're working on a, a long career, I hope for most people. Um, so, so one thing people can do in 2024 is if you got your website and you set it up, by naming it after your first book, it's time to change it and uh, yes. 
turn, turn, turn it into your author name website. Not yeah. saying I ever did anything like that in the past, but yeah. in case I did. You know. <laughs> I love it. The other thing about that is like, if it's going to be kind of a one-off, if you're like, oh, I'm going to write this novel, um, but all of the rest of my books are going to be in my like professional field or whatever. Okay, fine. Have a separate website just for your novel. But like, I don't know. I, I, I want it all. Um, personally, when I go to somebody's website, I'm like, tell me, like, oh, you you wrote a novel. You've written 17 books about speech pathology. You have six dogs. Um, you also, you know, live on a mountaintop and, you know, like to convert old barns into whatever. You know, like, I, just give me the whole picture. I love the messier, the weirder, the more discombobulated, the, the better. I'm like... Yeah. I think we have time for one more question from each of us, and then we've got to, we're going to do some book recommendations. And, st and we'll start with Sarah because Hannah and I've been elbowing Sarah out of the conversation here. So, Sarah. <laughs> Sorry, Sarah. Well, actually, no, no, no. I this has all been fascinating for me, and I'm absorbing it all as an author. But thinking as an author, um, what are the things that, say, a writer approaches you? They want some help with consulting, publicity. What makes you think? this is somebody I'm excited to work with. Um, what are some factors that make you want to work with that author? Or maybe on the flip side, what are some red flags that make you think this person might not be the right fit for me? Okay. Um, Great question. A, yeah, it is That's a good a question. really good question. <laughs> a big one for me is how connected people are to their broader literary community like and that doesn't I mean if you're a genre writer we use literary you know like literary fiction versus genre fiction but I just mean like the writing community writing and reading community so we have like we have a form on our website and people fill it out and like sometimes you know at the at the bottom there's like tell us about your community like what's your home bookstore what are you what are you into and sometimes it's just like a couple of words it's like ah, I don't really do that or whatever and then I'm like like it's not necessarily a, like gonna stop me but I, it's much less likely that I'm gonna be like yes let's work together and sometimes I get like a paragraph that is several lines long about like all the people that they know and the events they've been to and blah, blah, blah. and that's when I'm like I start to get really excited because I'm like okay the, this is somebody who wants to be engaged in the community um so that's a that's a big one for me. Um, if somebody tells me they don't read a lot, um, that is a big red flag for me. <laughs> I'm, um, you know, I, I you have to read. You have to be reading. You know, um, other people's books and buying them and going to the events and stuff like that. Not every single day of the year, but like you ca you can't you can't do this if you don't read. Um, in my mind like sure you can maybe you can sell a million copies on amazon or something but like it's not it's not the kind of work that i want to engage with <laughs> we're, um, we're going to give hannah the chance to ask the last question before she does i'm going to ask my last question uh so there are two things that i see in terms of author well when it comes to selling a book and that is you know sort of author awareness getting out there doing the events doing the media doing having your website, having whatever social media you select, you know, working with a, a good person like you or Hannah or whatever to help, that kind of thing. But there's another side to really selling books, and it's the online side of things. And I know that some publicity folks 
work in that field and some choose not to work in that field. But I feel like in 2024, I've got to learn more about online selling in terms of ads right. and which networks yeah. to use and that kind of thing. And I would just be interested in your take on, and this kind of gets back to my diversification question a little bit. How much yeah. should you be on the ground kind of, and how much should you be in the universe of the internet when you're trying to sell and promote books? So right. what are some of your basic tips on learning, um, you know, how to sell in the online world? Um, I mean, I would look at what, like what you're seeing and what you're, you know, like you follow your favorite author or whatever, you know, where, where are they popping up? Um, I'm, I'm always looking for, you know, in the industry we call comps, you know, books that are similar, um, you know, that have some, um, some things kind of in conversation with each other and kind of look and see where those things are popping up and what's going on. There's a lot of stuff. I mean, you can get into like, we do, we do a lot of good reads. So we do, you know, help people with their Goodreads profiles and doing giveaways and things like that. Um, that is a really cool community for book people, even if it is owned by Amazon as well. Um, it's, uh, you know, I like it. I actually see some indie booksellers on there using it as a tool to to talk about books and bring sales into their own bookstores, which I think is amazing. Um, but, you know, you can do a lot of these places have stuff that you can read. Um, there are so many articles out there <laughs> to be read about, you know, Amazon advertising, Goodreads I'm advertising. I'm just looking for the shortcut here. I'm, I'm a typical <laughs> author. I'm just looking for the shortcut here, Lauren. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've, I think the best shortcut is like just poke around for a little while, see yeah, what other people yeah. are doing. And if you like it, give it a try yeah. if yeah. you can afford it, you know. That's good. That's good advice. I love that strategy. Just copy what other authors similar to it you, works, right? Whatever they're yeah. doing, just take a step. <laughs> just try it, you know, see what happens. Yeah. I love that. So I'm going to wrap up with a topic and a kind of a question too, just like um, that I think is really valuable. And I would definitely encourage authors to think about this a lot going into the new year, but timelines. Um, so publicity timelines. I know you probably get the same sort of thing where sometimes you'll have an author come to you and say, Hey, I wrote a book about a year ago. Can you help me? Um, yeah. No. Uh, <laughs> you know, so like for you and for Goldleaf, what's been your experience um, kind of developing effective timelines? How do you guys usually work? And what would you advise an author who has a book coming out next year? Like when should they start thinking about right. promotions? You should always be thinking at least a year out. Um, I, I think, you know, so if your book is coming out in at the end of 2024, you should at least be thinking about it now. Um, you may not be making moves yet, but that's, you know, like a year out, you need to be thinking about what updates your website needs, um, maybe some social media strategies. You're starting to make your lists of like long lead places. So if you do want to hit like O Magazine, because you think maybe it'll work, you better be sending that book like ASAP in 2024. Um, like, they're, they're, if it shows up three months before the book is coming out, there's no way, you know. Um, this is the time to, like, really be building the kind of what I think of as the back end. Um, and then, yeah, and then you have the long lead stuff. Um, you have the outreach to booksellers. Like, if you do want to be, you know, reaching out to um, booksellers to do pre-order campaigns or um, try to bump up their their numbers that they're going to buy to bring into the store 
you know, the earlier, the better, um, I think. Um, and then as you hit that four to six months out, you start to get the, you know, things have to be into the pre-pubs like Publishers Weekly and Kirkus. And, and you know, if you want to send stuff to our state, you probably need to get it in there sometime between four and eight months before the book comes out. Um, the, the earlier, the better. Um, you'd be looking at, like, what kinds of conferences and festivals, which we didn't talk about much, but is another thing that I think is great for discovery um, and making connections with other authors, you know, looking at what's coming up that you would be um, a fit for and applying to that. Um, and then you're looking at booking your author tour, your events, your um, reaching out to the local media. Like the, the other fun thing I think about local media is that like they don't have the long lead time in the same way, depending on, you know, if they're a glossy magazine and they have a publication schedule, you have to work with that. But like, you know, you could be like, hey, my book's coming out in two weeks and, and be just as likely to get coverage as, um, as you know, if you had reached out to them three months before. Um, but, um, yeah, you just, you want to be, it's kind of a constant, um, you know, waves against the shore of stuff as you're, as you're working towards your pub date. The pub date is the, is the piece that I think a lot of authors don't understand is so important. Like that is the date that everything is working back from. Um, so be thinking about that um, and be kind of chunking out the time that you need um, as, as you lead up towards that. Yeah, that's Does that really answer your good. question? That's yes. A good, yeah. Really, really yeah. good point because when, when Hannah and I worked together on daily declarations, we put about a seven month time on and we still felt that was kind of tight, but, yeah. Keep in mind too that the, the the kind of things you're doing in that period are the kind of things that uh, you're not shouting my books for sale. You're not putting stuff up and they're necessarily there. That's maybe for the last four weeks before it actually comes out. But you're doing all these other things. You're trying to get trade reviews. You're trying to get advanced readers. You're trying to get blurbs. You're trying to uh -huh. you know get get your events lined up because if you're going to line them up, you got to line them up four five months in advance. So yeah, you know, that's what it's all about. It's not necessarily Oh, now I've got a book. Now I'm gonna put it up on social media or something and ask people to buy it. But uh, yeah, great point. I hope that sinks in with our listeners and with me again. Yeah, <laughs> because you know, <laughs> because you know what it it is. I mean, any author who's written a book, you know, when you write it, you want, I want to get this thing out into the world. You know, I want to get it yeah. out there. It's yeah. done. It's done. Let's go. Come on. Yeah. Let's go. But yeah, you, know, you, you well, gotta, there's a you reason why you gotta have some patience the traditional media or the traditional publishing structure often they get a you know they buy a book but it doesn't come out for two years and part of right. that is editing and part of that is marketing and publicity planning right. like they need that time to to make sure it gets where it needs to go all right well we we could as hannah said could talk for a long time about this topic but I, uh we need to do mix. a whole show on distribution i'm uh, just you mentioned that earlier and it is like the unsung hero of this whole world and i like let's let's have a whole conversation about it someday <laughs> yeah distribution is a whole nother topic and it's different for traditional and indie publishers yep. and um you know so anyway yeah we, we don't have yeah. time you're right but uh <laughs> Just Another do what Lawrence says. Go read up on it. You know, go yeah. read up on it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Next year's. All right. So we're gonna do some book recommendations right quick. We uh, each of us have got uh, a book to recommend. Then we've got a few elevator pitches, and then we'll tell you what's coming next month. But uh, Lauren, did you bring a book to recommend to us? I yeah. I did. I I actually am recommending the book that I am in the midst of right now, but it's just so um, 
fascinating and fierce. It's uh, called Hysterical by Elisa Bassis. Um, and she it's a memoir of her um, medical journey trying to get some answers about a chronic illness and and also the the gender bias that exists in the in the medical industrial complex um and it's woo it'll set you on fire it's good how about you uh sarah uh, so I'm recommending a book called The Wishing Pool and Other Stories by Tanana Reeve Du. I hope I'm pronouncing her name correctly. Um, I've been listening to this on Libro.fm, and it's a short story collection. Um, it's kind of, I would say, magical realism, speculative fiction, that sort of realm, some touches of Afro- Afrofuturism. Um, in her introduction to the book, she references Jordan Peele as an inspiration. I think that's kind of a good comp in terms awesome. of like the his his movies and these stories feel kind of grounded but then there are things that get weird and there's horror or sometimes aliens or all sorts of things that come into it um so if you like his work you would probably enjoy hers as well um it's mostly contemporary set in either the the present time or um, earlier decades in the 20th century or in the future but there's always like these twists of fantasy and horror um they're they're really interesting there's there's one about like this woman who moves in with a man to be his housekeeper and then she finds out that there's the story he's told her about his uh daughter who passed away that may not be actually what happened um there's one that's set in this kind of like post-apocalyptic future and there's a woman who decides she's going to do a stand-up comedy show in this sort of weird uh post-apocalyptic malibu setting um there's a character who was possessed by demons when she was a kid he was exercised and now she thinks the demons are back so it's a lot of like really interesting creative um entertaining stuff there's some humor in there but they're they're kind of dark and serious too um so i'm definitely enjoying her her work and her style all right, Hannah. That sounds really good. I think I'm going to read yep. that. Yeah. I, I love the title also. I feel like you always pick the mm-hmm. best like titled books ever. I mean, a, a good title will draw yeah. me in. That's enough. It's important. <laughs> um, I'm recommending, and I actually, well, at this point, January, hopefully I will have read it by that point, but it's a book that I just got, um, and it's called What Are You Going Through by Sigrid Nunez, and I think I've recommended on here before The Friend, um, which was her one of her books a couple years ago that she wrote, and this is supposed to be kind of like the companion story, so that was about, and I don't think it's the same characters or anything like that, but it's um, similar ideas so you know that that was a story about a woman who kind of adopted her friend's great dane when he passed away and just that relationship and how um, it taught her a lot about her life and mortality and all that you know those really positive things Um, and this is kind of a similar uh, storyline where um, it's about a, a nameless character and she's losing a friend to cancer um and her friend basically is trying to convince her to like help her die um and so just sort of with that um but you know she's kind of funny if you've read any of her work like she's not you know it's kind of darker subject matters or things that make you think about um our meaning here in this world and all of that kind of stuff but she's really funny um it's kind of like quirky writing and this is supposed to be kind of just like an extension of the friend where you're you know thinking about like what are you know what's what's important to us what are how what's the meaning of our relationships how do we progress those relationships and how do we learn from each other so um i feel like yeah it's a, it sounds sounded like a good book to kind of end the year with <laughs> some some reflection <laughs> love it good good well i've got one um this is uh, actually 
going to be on the podcast at the end of this month. It's uh, Martin DeCastrick's latest book, um, Dangerous Women. It's set in uh, District of Columbia. There, it's a 75-year-old uh, amateur sleuth. She wasn't an amateur all her life. Uh, she worked for the FBI at one time. Her name is Ethel Fiona Crestwater. Uh, she runs a boarding house for people that work for the Secret Service and the FBI, and she's friends with all the heads of all the agencies, and she knows more than they do, and she's better than they are, and she's good at solving crimes, and as Mark describes it, she's kind of like uh, if you imagined uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg as an FBI agent. So that's, that's what we're talking about there. And anyway, he's uh, he's written 20-some novels. Um, I re- really think he's honed in on his best here. His first book in this series was uh, uh, nominated for a, a prestigious award last year, and this one just kind of keeps the, the action going. And uh, so tune in later. Uh, at the end of this month, and you'll get to hear Mark uh, talk about it. He he tells a little story about how he came up with the idea. And this is where, I mean, authors get ideas from all kinds of places, but he was on a plane coming back to to Charlotte uh, from somewhere, and he struck up a conversation with the woman next to him and, and said, so where are you going to Charlotte? And she said, well, I'm not going to Charlotte. I'm connecting to D.C. And she said, my mother lives there. Oh, tell, you know, she says, yes, she runs a boarding house, uh, for people that uh, work in for the FBI and whatever. And so this idea just came to him about a 75-year-old woman who had this skill set, and I think it's perfect because now he can explore, um, you know, what uh, people at that age are, are able to do with confidence. So, yeah, so check out Dangerous Women. Um, all right, so now we got our elevator pitch uh, section. We're going to play a few of those for you, and uh, – We're starting off with Adelaide Thomas. Uh, Let's listen in. This is Adelaide Thomas, author of My Dirty Little Secret Diary, coming out on November 20th, 2023. In 2008, I asked myself once again, does my schedule really need an addiction? What would it be like to eliminate the chains of nicotine addiction completely and stop all the excuses? How much time would I gain to put more effort into enjoying life? This is the diary of my journey to freedom and all the excuses I used on the way. All right. Now, what do you think, folks? That's kind of interesting because you think it's one thing and then it turns out to be another. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely a compelling topic for sure. Yeah. yeah, and so listeners, as you're, as you've got a book coming out, and Lauren will tell you for your clients as well. This is a yep. free service we provide. People can go on to our contact page and uh, click on the link and uh, upload their 30 second elevator pitch. It's not easy. You can't come in at 45 or 55 seconds. You know, you got to come right. in, try to nail it with the, you know, your your elevator pitch. Uh, so let's uh, let's hear another. Sandra Warren. During 1929, a deathbed promise is made to keep a little boy safe that will change the lives of two brothers forever. While the youngest disappears on an orphan train, the oldest begins an obsessive search that will consume him for the next 50 years before resolution is found. Available on Kindle and paperback, Obsessed by a Promise by Sandra Warren is a must-read for historical fiction fans. That's Obsessed by a Promise by Sandra Warren. All right, that's not got a nice hook in there with the orphan train. I've heard of that, where they shipped mm-hmm. kids out of inner cities 
for whatever reason, um, they were orphans, and they put them on a train, sent them out to the to the Midwest, uh, yeah. and uh, sounds like this book farms. is yeah to the so. farm. Sounds like yeah. this book is about uh, a sibling's effort to uh, to find uh, their sibling. So very yeah. good, thanks, Sandra. Thanks, Adelaide. Now we got one from Sheila Athens. Hi, my name is Sheila Athens. My next book is Nina Lee is Seeing Things. In it, a travel writer goes to remote Cumberland Island, Georgia, which was the site of John F. Kennedy Jr. and Carolyn Bassett's private paparazzi-free wedding. She travels there to cover the 25-year anniversary of their deaths. And while she's there, the ghost of John F. Kennedy Jr. promises to help her if she'll help him find his wife. <laughs> okay. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Uh, all right, I love I love the fact that uh, we are getting such a variety here as well. We've got one more for you today. Uh, here we go. Hi, I'm Cheryl Gray Bostrom, the author of Leaning on Air. Celia heals red-tailed hawks. Autistic Burnaby heals horses. She's passionate, adrift, and yearns for affection. He's aloof and principled, and her touch makes his skin crawl. Still, they elope on a whim and plunge into a most unusual, otherworldly love story that carries them for years. Then tragedy, sabotage, cryptic sketches, and a mute little boy upend them, and the healing they must hunt is their own. All right. Uh, more good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So we had my dirty little secret diary, Obsessed by a Promise. Nina Lee is seeing things and leaning on air. Uh, thanks to all the authors who... Uh, Submitted those pitches, and if you're out there and you're an author and you want to do it, uh, it's there to be done. So, uh, hey, Lauren, before we tell our listeners what's coming next, uh, we're going to give you the the parting uh, shot here about uh, you know what what people need to be doing in 2024 to get ready for uh, you know being an author out there in the world. Yeah, um, I say start off 2024 looking at your goals and deciding what you want and then start leaning into gathering all the information you can, um, getting your list together um, and try to have some fun while you're doing it because it'll be a lot easier. <laughs> well, it's been great having you on the show. Maybe someday we will come back and talk distribution, but it's, I love uh, it. <laughs> it's, it's a lot. To, it's, it's more than a mouthful. So Yeah. Thank Sarah. you so much for having me. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Thanks for being here, and we've we've definitely kicked things off well with uh, the first of the, the first episode of the year and the first of the month um, with Lauren here. But uh, in terms of our upcoming episodes this month, we're also going to have a bunch of individual interviews by the hosts with different authors. Um, first up, we've got Molly Grantham, author of Practice Makes Progress, which is the third and final book in her series of essay collections about the off-camera life of an on-camera mom. Uh, the Charlotte Observer says that in her books, Molly proves she is as gifted at telling tales about motherhood as she is at delivering the news on television every night. Then we've got master storyteller David Baldacci coming back to the show with the second book in his 620 Man series, The Edge. Um, he's a global number one bestselling author. Baldacci's books are published in over 45 languages and in more than 80 countries with 150 million copies sold wide. Um, super excited to have him back on the show. Then we feature David Madden, author of 18 works of fiction, including Cassandra Singing, Bijou, and two collections called The Last Bizarre Tale and Marble Goddesses and Mortal Flesh. 
Most recently, he released a memoir about his mother's life, which was written through his interpretation of her memories called Mama's Lost Piano. And then finally, we're going to have Mark Dukastrick um, with Dangerous Women, which we just heard about, a secret lives mystery. Mark is an author, producer, and director who's based here in Charlotte. He has more than 40 years in the television production industry and 23 mystery novels to his credit. All right. Well, uh, now we're going to have uh, Hannah tell us uh, how you can connect with the podcast. And uh, so take it away, Hannah. Hey folks, as we wrap up another episode, we just want to say thank you for listening. Um, We appreciate you being here and we hope you enjoyed the show. We also hope you'll join our community. To do that, feel free to poke around our website, charlotteleaderspodcast.com. The best way to stay in touch is to sign up for our twice-monthly newsletter, and you can do that via the contact page on the website. We won't spam you. That takes way too much time. We're not going to do that. You can also use our website to read our community blog and show notes, submit an elevator pitch to be played on the show, submit a blog post, give us feedback, submit to be on the show, become a Patreon supporter, and to see what's coming up on the show next, order our podcast books, or listen to previous episodes. So many things, and the best part, it's all free. Until the next episode, this is Hannah LaRue, and on behalf of Sarah Archer and Landis Wade, read on, ride on, and rock on.